This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. And we have a Quite a whiplash-inducing session since yesterday, so we saw the market in a pretty good mood uh, during the cash session yesterday with uh, yields coming down quite hard. There are talks of uh, the Treasury doing some buybacks. I'll talk, uh, I'll talk a little bit about that. It's a bit confusing, the whole idea, uh, in some ways. But in any case, uh, with, with Treasuries uh, on, the, uh, on the mend and yields falling, that was a reason for good cheer in the equity session until after the close when some marquee names, to say the least, Microsoft and Google missing badly. So I'll just hand it over to you, Peter. But before I do, actually, just really briefly on the technical level. So the next ones being, if we do go get back to rally mode, it was a big hit after hours. Still concentrating on that 3,900 to 3,925. And if we do get a larger squeeze, and I'll talk about this narrative around a squeeze scenario having to do with the political cycle, the really big level is higher is, is around 4,000. And then perhaps that 61.8% retracement. You can see there on slide two in the S&P 500 future is just above there, 4,023. But uh, quite a session yesterday, Peter, to to say the least, and especially given where we were suddenly uh, in after hours trading. Yeah, I think the uh, the market has really caught on to this narrative of the uh, you know the Fed slowing. There are really calls now for the Fed to slow down. You also have talked about this, John, the, the Tim Rouse, uh piece. There were you know he's seen as the one that that leaks information. Uh, he's the chief uh, economics editor for the uh, Wall Street Journal. Um, I think the, the you know, equity is just buying into this. You're also seeing yields coming down across the uh, across across the spectrum from government bonds to to credit and high yield. Um, and as you can see in slide two, we we uh, we closed. We talked about it yesterday on the uh, we we closed at the um, at a pretty pretty significant uh, high high there for the S and P 500. Bubble stocks had a great uh, great run. Uh, E-commerce as well. So some of the beaten down themes, uh, green transformation as well. Uh, but then overnight came the uh, the big shocker. Um, so I, so if we look at the stocks to watch there, of course, Alphabet being, I think, the the biggest shock because I think it's uh, ties to the global advertising uh, space is, is what is most important, I think, for, for macroeconomics because when companies want to, to uh, rein in cost, they they immediately look at what can be uh, what can be offered and, and that's often the um, the the advertising itself um so uh, revenue growth have slowed down for alphabet to 6% year a year uh, that's the lowest since uh, the second quarter of 2020 uh, shares were down 7% in extended trading and they had the a pretty significant margin squeeze I'll get back to that point in a few seconds and then microsoft uh, margin pressure because of pc sales is uh, is weakening continuing to weakening I expect that in the current quarter we're in right now strong dollars hurting um, their their margins of profitability as well, and then you're also seeing their Azure uh, business, which is the cloud business, slowing down uh, quite substantially. A little bit at odds with what we've seen from from Alphabet, actually, and and also uh, SAP. So um so so that was a little bit of a, a surprise there for Microsoft, and uh, and the outlook was uh, was weaker than expected. So shares were also down seven percent in extended trading, and then they had a, a little remark and um, that energy costs. I expect it to increase by 800 million in the current fiscal year, and uh, that's roughly one percent of their operating income, uh, which is around uh, 88 billion dollars. So, as you said, John, that's pretty remarkable when you have such a big energy shock. That's only one percent of your your operating income. But that, uh, hooray, is um, the miracles or the magic of being uh, almost a, a monopoly. Uh, and then we have had. 
almost well they don't have a hundred percent so i i think that's on the area you. depends on the area you're in but they're <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true and then we have had two uh two european banking earnings coming out this morning uh, banco santander and deutsche bank uh better than expected even deutsche is uh for the first time I've, it's a headline i've never seen before that deutsche is actually seeing an upside to the to their revenue outlook that's pretty impressive we've been uh, used to deutsche only talking about uh you know profit warnings and lowering the guidance on revenue but the uh, things are changing apparently for for the for the biggest bank in germany to watch that too and i, I just quickly before we round out round off uh, equities here um talking about those margins you can see it on the upper hand right uh, corner of the slide four on the today's slide deck you can see the how the the uh, the net profit margin of uh, nasdaq 100 companies are coming down pretty hard as i said it, it it's the it's the worst period in terms of profitability for these companies since the uh, the financial great financial crisis in terms of the change negative change in that margin and then if we if we look ahead earnings today uh, there's only two i would i would be looking at uh, uh, and that's uh, meta of course and then uh, boeing um, could argue maybe the Ford, but that's very specific. And Twitter is not getting that interesting, except for the fact that uh, Elon Musk said that he has instructed his uh, his uh, financiers uh, to complete the deal by Friday, uh, getting the uh, the financing in terms of debt uh, in place. So, um, of course, there'll be a lot of noise today around yeah. this uh, Twitter release. And specific to that Twitter deal, especially the national security angle that has been circulated and whether he's uh, sort of poison-pilled the whole operation by getting financing from certain sources uh, Saudi Arabia and otherwise, I, it's just very interesting, a very, very interesting story to track in coming days. Not, I'm not making any predictions. I just think it's uh, something we need to watch out for. And there, there are risks there uh, to that deal from that angle. Uh, really big names there on Thursday, though, with Apple and Amazon. But I'm sure we'll get to that. Those will be after the close Thursday anyway. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about that uh, tomorrow. All right. Well, let's head over to your space and commodities before I get back, uh, go back to where we are with the dollar and the narrative around the election, et cetera. Uh, really waiting for things to happen in, uh, well, uh, actually for your gold leading, I'll, I'll do a little bit on the FX first, but let's, let's talk about energy. Where, where are you focused in this space? Because I mean, wh what do you think <clears throat> is going to happen? First of all, when, when the U S stops releasing uh, reserves from, from, uh, from the SPR. Well, it will uh, just add to the, uh, the tightness that we are already starting to witness. Uh, we have been highlighting, uh, the distillates and uh, gasoline markets recently as the, as a potential uh, focus uh, in the market, uh, but generally the crude oil futures is, uh, has has settled into a range, both uh, WTI and Brent. Uh, yes, they got a bit of a, a small boost, a sentiment boost from the weaker dollar that uh, you're going to talk about in a second, John. Um, but then later in the day, we had the uh, API report out, uh, weekly stock report out, and it basically showed that uh, they saw inventory increase in crude oil by four and a half million barrels last week. But I think the main focus today will still be, as I mentioned, on, on gasoline and, and not at least distillate stock, fuel, stock fuels. They are pretty close to the lowest ever for this time of year, just ahead of the winter. Um, and that, that, is, that has been driving, driving up margins uh, recently, refinery margins. So, uh, so if you find diesel being quite expensive at the pumps, uh, it is because the margins are being, being lifted due to, due to low, uh, low supplies. And, and then that's obviously a situation that only will get, uh, can potentially get worse when the U.S. stops selling uh, crude into the market. Um, Saudi Arabia uh, sent a bit of a, an arrow to the, to the White House yesterday to talk about manipulating markets uh, and, and not letting the price be, uh, be adjusted accordingly. Um, that can be discussed, um, but then obviously the EU uh, sanctions and embargo on Russia, which will add further pain to the to the tightness or lift the tightness even more. 
All right, I'm going to get back to you on gold in a second because I want to talk about the narrative that Peter alluded to a little bit, This um, <clears throat> the whole narrative being that uh, we're trying to engineer at least a, a nice spot here for markets, the Democratic Party heading into the midterms and the Biden administration. Pretty obvious in, in your space with the release of these uh, strategic reserves in the U.S., which can't go on forever and are set to wind down most likely uh, very quickly after the midterm elections to ensure that the gasoline price isn't the sort of the uh, what's causing people to vote one way or the other. But also the, you know, if, you know, to add to that narrative, you can have the idea that the, the Fed is being pressured to send out the uh, signals that it's going to ease off on the, on the tightening at some point via this uh, Wall Street Journal article. You also have the U.S. Treasury with this mysterious, um, uh, and, and well, it's not completely mysterious, but this idea that they would do buybacks quote unquote, of treasuries. Uh, there's a couple ways to look at this. So one would be, well, it doesn't matter if you buy it back because it just means your issuance is going to have to grow. Uh, but yes, you could buy buying back, let's say a 20 year uh, US treasury that was issued during the pandemic at a, a coupon of slightly over 1%. That uh, that uh, treasury, I looked at one of these, it's trading at 59 cents. Uh, so you buy it back for 59 cents, issue a new treasury at 100. Your interest payment doesn't change, but you've written off some of the debt by doing so. So you know, it's it's taking from one place and, and adding it somewhere else. And in, in some ways, it just affects the level of the long term debt. Anyway, it would it would help maybe with uh, Treasury market liquidity in a very, very short term. And that would be the very, very short term that we're looking at here, which is the election cycle coming up on Tuesday, uh, a week from next Tuesday on uh, November the 8th. So, um, yeah. Uh, so if this is a conspiracy to uh, try to engineer a soft spot for markets. You could see the uh, the market rallying supposedly into the midterm elections or we're front running all this and it could roll over tomorrow. I don't know. It's just something to be aware of. And we do have the dollar under pressure with these U.S. yields coming in lower yesterday. Uh, and you can see on slide six, so we're getting towards a negative trend here in the dollar. There's some key, really key levels coming up, though, before we can really discuss a uh, sort of a spilling over to the downside for the dollar. You have the Aussie dollar actually uh, this morning uh, breaking above the key 64 area. So that's one that's sort of already broken. Uh, Dalian has uh, some ways to go. Uh, 145 would be the first area, but the most obvious ones are Euro dollar parity. And you can see on that chart I put there on slide six that Euro dollar is already breaking back above uh, or is, is looking at this parity level, how key it is. And it's breaking above this falling channel that's so well defined. It goes all the way back into the start of this year. Uh, so that's obviously interesting. Could lead to the idea that we, we spike into 102. I don't think it's a crazy idea if we do get a further spillover here and uh, and rates lower. Uh, sterling versus the dollar. So cable 115 is a very obvious area on that chart. So it's something uh, to, to watch out for. I don't think we can necessarily signal a major change yet, but uh, there's certainly room for a tactical upside here if U.S. yields head lower. And uh, and then circling back to you, that's obviously a really big uh, you know, a key for, for gold here. Um, I would have thought gold had gotten a little bit more interest from this uh, latest uh, uh, sell-off in the dollar, but it's uh, yeah, there's still a lot of work to do for to get bullish in the gold it, chart. <laughs> it has indeed, and I think the reason why it's not really uh, racing high is simply because there's been quite a few several uh, failed attempts uh, and disappointments recently. So, uh, so the interest is is relatively low at this moment, uh, but. No doubt that the dollar has had a bigger sway on on the gold market in recent months than uh, than for instance the yield the yield surge and and you can see the correlation between gold and the Bloomberg uh, dollar index which is a broader index than the normal dollar index we look at so um so obviously uh, additional dollar weakness from here will support the market but as you can see in this chart as well down slide eight we have a potential double bottom in in the making 
but in order really for that to be confirmed, we need to break above 1730. So, um, so even though some of the, the latest uh, data coming in from the US is, is gold supportive in the sense that it, it, it supports the speculation about a rollover, uh, I think there's, uh, there's probably not any strong demand for, for to rush back into the market until we get above that level. So uh, plenty of work still to do. All right, let's have a look at the calendar today. Pretty interesting one coming up for uh, the day ahead, uh, not just in, uh, in earnings, but also on the macro calendar. By the way, one of the reasons the Aussie is breaking higher overnight is a strong uh, Q3 CPI report, especially that so-called trimmed mean, uh, which is their core measure uh, of note, uh, hitting 1.8% quarter on quarter and 6.1% year on year. Uh, that is versus 5.0% expected. And that is a massive a massive beat on uh, core expectations, uh, core CPI relative to expectations. I think the RBA is going to have to wake up a little bit on its uh, messaging. I think some of that has been aggravated, uh, no doubt, to the uh, the strong dollar and the weak Australian dollar. Uh, but um, yeah, just so interesting in this backdrop of the Fed set to supposedly decelerate, we're having the hot CPI out of Australia and a recent hot uh, data point out of Canada, leading into today's Bank of Canada rate, uh, rate decision where they've had a, the market has bumped up expectations that they will move by 75 basis points to take the rate to 4%. Um, and you'll, I think you'll expect a, uh, a fairly hawkish message from uh, Bank of Canada Governor Macklem at the press conference after that, uh, after that decision. So watch for that today, but also note that, uh, of course, with a, a data point like the new home sales today, a very, sensitive, uh, uh, a very sensitive market to the rise in interest rates with mortgage rates above 7% now in the U.S., we can expect this to continue to show a cratering uh, housing market. And I actually just want to rewind a bit because I believe we skipped it. We did skip it on uh, slide five. So we saw a, a weaker uh, than expected consumer confidence reading for October uh, yesterday uh, coming in with the present situation dropping, uh, providing most of the miss there, uh, just below 139, if I recall. Yeah, 138.9. And that is actually an 18-month low in the present situation. So if you look on slide five, you can see the correlation of this uh, present situation index with the unemployment rate, which I've inverted. Uh, and at times, this has sort of led uh, the drops in unemployment, especially that uh, 1990, uh, late, late 80s and uh, early 1990 uh, rollover. It was a leading indicator. So I think it's an interesting one, uh, beginning to show a softening uh, confidence here. And uh, still, though, for, for better confirmation, I would like to see the weekly claims, uh, not because I want to see this <laughs> things go badly, but I would prefer to see the weekly claims, I should put it that way, uh, heading back above, let's call it 250K and, and sticking a bit more. We saw that big rise uh, in claims earlier this year, but it didn't really hang around and it fell back. And, and, and this latest rise is too early to call it a more significant rise in the claims. So watching that as a uh, indicator on the state of the economy, but um yeah, otherwise, uh, not a whole lot on the calendar until tomorrow with the ECB meeting. Interesting there with uh, their own liquidity issues in the uh, government bond markets in Europe, how they're dealing with spreads, the messaging around quantitative tightening, which I don't ever suspect they will meaningfully be able to do. Um, and the first Q3 GDP estimate, which is expected uh, positive relative to those minor misses uh, in Q1 and Q2 in the U.S. So plenty on the plate, uh, especially in the earnings front. This whole narrative around the U.S. midterm election also uh, taking shape over the next week plus and the FOMC meeting uh, next Wednesday as well. So uh, lots to look at in the coming days. Stay careful out there and we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>